Hello there, and welcome to our Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. My name is Richard Frankowitz, and I'm the Youth Director here at Sardis Fellowship. To find info on our speaker and series, please check the podcast description. Thanks for listening, and enjoy! Well, if you've been with us for the last couple of weeks since we started into the new year, kind of technically the new year started last Sunday because that was the first Sunday in January, but kind of unofficially we started on December 31st because we already had a message on that Sunday that was kind of getting us to think about our spiritual health and looking forward to the new year. Uh, The whole idea with this sermon series here for just a few more weeks is to kind of look at, you know, the beginning of a new year is kind of a time to refresh, to, to reflect, and to think about what the past has been, and maybe some things that you've let slide in, in what you know is important, especially in your relationship with God, and, and pay attention to it, and, and maybe reset and refresh some things that you know I want to get there again. And so we're just kind of, it's a practical series. We're talking about things that relate to our faith and our walk with God, and how that intersects between me and God, and me and my relationships. And so the first week, Pastor Dave took us to uh, Romans 12 and talked about not losing Using our spiritual fervor, right? Um, not conforming to the pattern of this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind. That was uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. And then last week, we were kind of looking at this idea of um, me and my marriage, and we had our guest speakers, Tristan and Lucretia, come in and share their story with us about what God had done in their life. And they were really... Um, challenging us to realize that God has the power to do anything. That was a powerful story, and if you missed it, I really encourage you. Those kinds of situations where you get guest speakers in like that don't come around every day, and if you missed it, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. It's posted on our website today. You can also get it on Facebook and Vimeo um, for you to listen to it, or a podcast if you prefer that option. So where I'm wanting to go now is this idea of me and my Bible. How am I doing as it relates to the time of, uh, you know, prioritizing the reading of God's word, the study of God's word in my life as I desire to know God. Uh, Because there's no point in reading the Bible if you're just going to look at it for the sake of a textbook or, well, isn't that interesting? It's about encountering God through his word and allowing the power of his word to change us and transform us. Now, most of us here would probably say that reading the word of God is important in our life. Um, I I think that most of us realize that there's a connection between reading it and our spiritual well-being. We say this because we believe the Bible to be no ordinary book. It's not just a human author who's written this book, but rather it is the very God that Tim was just talking about, the author of all of creation, the author of everything, is also the author who has inspired this very word for us. That's why we often refer to the Bible as... um, uh, as the Word of God. Uh, the word Bible, by the way, it just means the book, or, or could mean plural, the books. Um, but in this case, it is the book for us, because it's true, because it's God's book. Now, aside from revealing himself through creation, which we can see as well, the power of God through creation, the order of God, and the design of God, and the creativity of God, and all those elements that we see of God's grandeur through creation, we also have special revelation, which is the written word of God. So general revelation is what you can see with your eyes, and you can go, wow, how did this all come to be? And realize that there is a designer who is this God who is behind it all, and then the word of God would be special revelation that he's given to us to understand His character, his nature, his plan for salvation, all culminating in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who showed up here on planet Earth, who went to the cross and died for our sin that we might be saved. So that's kind of what we get from God's word. 
All right, I got one amen from my dad. Harvey Peters must be away today. Dad, you get an extra bowl of soup. <laughs> Hebrews says that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. The written word of God points us to the word in flesh, Jesus Christ, right? So that we might know him and know his salvation. So reading God's word is hearing his voice to allow him to continue to transform us in what Christ began in us. You know, if you stop and think about the beginning of your relationship with Jesus and the work that he did in your life, it was like, as was said last week, a, a, a set of glasses through new lenses to see life. It's like all of a sudden you come alive and realize who God is, who I am, and what this all means, and you put that together, but it doesn't end there. There's an ongoing work of God transforming us through his word, and that's why we need to read his Bible. Last week, Tristan and Lucretia, who shared so well with us, were highlighting a couple of things um, relating to God's word, and I want to pick up on them because they were so well shared, and it was such a living testimony of the power of God's word to transform us, and so I'm going to reference it in two occasions here. Tristan was challenging us to understand um, that the word of God is no ordinary book. That was the point that I was making, that it has this power of God to transform us if we obey it, and that became their testimony. His, his point was that as we realize that it's inspired by God, that it has power to teach and rebuke and correct and train and, and for righteousness. Uh, we, we don't have to be trained in wickedness. We're good at it. We're just naturals. We need this, the word of God, to correct and train us in righteousness so that we as servants of God may be equipped for what it is that he wants us to do. And sometimes we think, oh, equipping me for some kind of big, like, you know, experience that he's going to use me. No, 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 no. Everyday life. Equipping you for what he has for every good work in your home, in your work, where you live. That's the power of the word of God. Reading our Bibles allows us to know and understand who God is and what he wants from us if we obey him. And that's really the key here. You know, we can read our Bibles and not take anything in, or we can read our Bibles and begin to understand, and that's one level. You can read your Bible... You can begin to understand, and then you can obey it. And that's the power. The transformative power of the Word of God is when we obey it. That's its instruction to us, and its, con its correction of us. And that was what Tristan's uh, point was, his first one. The second point that he made about the Word of God, it was happening for him in his story right in the middle of his brokenness. So he was a Christian, and he'd walked out on his marriage, and he thought he had, you know... Everything he ever wanted, he had a really good paying job, and he was free of his family, and he was doing his own thing, and he figured he had everything, and in the middle of that, something happened where God got his attention, and he ended up in a remand center, in a prison, in a jail, uh, waiting for a judge to give a final say on his situation. And it was in the middle of his brokenness that he realized he had stopped reading God's word. And so he picks up the Bible and begins to read it again. And he says, it's almost as if God was calling to me through his word. I don't know if you remember that, but he was talking about Revelation chapter 3. And in Revelation 3, as he was reading this, um, he said it was like God was just speaking right to him about his situation. 
So it says this, you think that you're rich and you have everything you want. And Tristan said, I did. That's exactly what I thought. I had everything I wanted. I was rich. But what you don't realize is you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And all of a sudden, he saw himself there in that cell with the dirty walls and the guy below him who's gurgling out some kinds of thing because he's on a crystal meth high. And, and he says, what is happening to me? And he looks at his clothes. He wasn't naked, but he was in clothing that weren't right. They weren't his clothes. And God is speaking to him about his situation. It was the night in that cell that God said, come to me and buy gold refined in the fire then you will be rich. Those were the following words. And when he read those words, he said it was like listening to God and obeying him was buying his gold. It's true riches in comparison to the things that I thought were the riches. That's when the Bible has power to rebuke and correct. When we're listening to God's voice as we read it. And as he was listening to God's voice, he's all of a sudden seeing everything that he put in the category of riches and this is what life is all about. And he saw it for what it was. And he was really poor and wretched and naked and blind. When we come to God's word, we're coming to receive riches that are going to help us for life. We need to see past the shallow things and see that which is truer and deeper and richer that God has for us. It is no ordinary book. It is the word of God. And it's for each of us. Now, it is true that God used human authors, Moses and King David and Peter and Paul and many others, and they have their own personalities and their own character. And as you read their writings, you're going to see that personality and uniqueness of their character coming through. But it's the Spirit of God who came on them and breathed into them his truth of what it was that he wanted them to communicate. The message of salvation, the hope that we have in God. So it's God's thoughts. It's God's truth and it's God's word that is coming to us through those authors who have written it. This is how the Apostle Peter understood this process Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin, its beginning, in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So this is Peter trying to help people understand this prophecy. And if you really look at what the Bible is, the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Old Testament is the writings of the prophets that God spoke through to the people in the nation of Israel that there was a coming Messiah. The New Testament is about the fulfillment of those prophecies in Jesus Christ, who is the Messiah of not only the nation of Israel, but the Savior of all humanity. Okay, so that, that's what's going on here. And so Peter's saying to them, the, these prophecies that were spoken in the Old Testament by those prophets didn't have its beginning and origin and interpretation and ideas in the heart of the prophet. And this is what God gave them. They couldn't see, they didn't know, they didn't have the ability to put all the pieces together and how this would work out in the future. They wrote it, they spoke it, they gave it. And then God fulfilled it. And in the New Testament, we see the fulfillment of these prophecies. And so Peter is saying, that's how it worked. And, it, and they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm not sure if Peter was fully aware of the fact that the Holy Spirit was carrying him along at the same time as he wrote his own letters to people, to churches, that, and much like Paul, that the Holy Spirit was carrying them along, that they too might be used of God in this exact same manner as he used the Old Testament prophets. The Bible is the word of God, so you can trust it. God's word has power to transform us. One of my favorite verses is Hebrews 
I've quoted this many times, um, when talking about this topic of the Word of God, the reason why I love this verse so much is I've been a Christian a long time. Uh, I had the privilege of growing up in a home where my parents were Christians. Not everyone has had that experience, but from a very early age, I was introduced to who Christ is. I was introduced to the Word of God. And I had the opportunity to read it for myself. And then, as every person has to do, you have to decide. Uh, The faith of your parents doesn't save you. Uh, I've said this before too. God has no grandchildren. He only has children. Which simply means every single one of us who have grown up in a Christian home have to come to a place in our life where we realize, am I a true follower of Christ or not? And at a certain point, I did. And as I'm following Christ and I'm reading God's word, the reason why I love this verse so much is I've had years of seeing how the living and active word of God works in my own life. To some degree, I own this verse. Not fully, but I've experienced enough to know that this verse is key. And I want you to to weigh in on it here this morning too. I want you to own it too. Because this is what the word of God says about the word of God. It's alive and it's active, sharper than any double-edged sword It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. What's it trying to say? What it's trying to say, in essence, is that God's word knows me better than I know myself. Have you heard that before? I think it's true. At times, I fail to understand my own actions. I fail to discern my own emotions. I fail to truly know my own intentions. But God's word reveals to me things about myself that go beyond my own knowledge of myself. The word of God knows me better than I know myself. And it challenges me with my truth with the truth. We all have the my truth going on. Because that's what happens up here. And when we read God's word and it's alive and active, it's challenging us with the truth of God. It's alive because it's God's, God breathed. It's active because it speaks into my life and it teaches and trains and corrects. It's sharp, meaning it has the ability to discern. Like a sword, it can cut a line between truth and error, between lies in my head and my heart and the truth of God. Okay, that's what the word of God is doing when I take it in. Like a skilled fisherman with a fillet knife on a salmon just going down. Have you ever seen those guys that are so good? They just slide right along the bones and take the meat off and there's nothing left on the bones. The word of God penetrates to the heart and the mind and the soul and the spirit. It exposes our wrong thinking, our wrong intentions, and our wrong attitudes by the light of God's word. That's what happens when we come and read God's word. The chaff blows away and the truth remains. And that's why we hide God's word in our hearts. You've heard that before too, right? Well, that comes right out of scripture. We hide it to protect us against the lies. We need to know the truth so that we can battle against the thing that is the lie. And they're very subtle, right? These aren't like big, fat, blatant lies usually, although they can be. They're usually kind of like a skin of the truth stuffed with a lie. Have you heard that? It's just like enough to sound true, but it's actually not. And the word of God is helping to protect us against that in our minds and hearts. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That comes out of Psalm 119.11. The context is this. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. You know it. Yeah. Because this is one we need to hide in our heart. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And, And so I did this in my younger years. 
Um, if you're a young person here today, I, I, I implore you, put this in your heart. Seek God for that which is true and right and pure, for that which you know in your heart you really want, but the world is filled with all sorts of messages to lead us down a wrong path. If you're here today and you want to stay on the path of purity, then you need to bring the world's messages into the light of God's word. And when we hide God's word in our heart, we're ready to expose those lies before we buy into them. Oh, you're not hurting anyone. Go ahead. Oh, it's just for fun. You only live once. It's your body. Do what you want. Sex is free. Swipe right. Yada, yada, yada. That's from my generation, not the younger one. But the Bible says this, take captive every thought to make it obedient to Jesus Christ. You see, that's the power of the word of God, is that in the middle of messaging that comes to us all day, every day, through so many mediums, we have the ability to take it captive and bring it to Jesus Christ, who sheds his light on that thought and exposes where it's a lie and shows us what's true preventing us from taking a step in a direction of the lie. Because if we buy the lie, even a lie, what sounds kind of true, and we, we step into it, but we really go into it, we're going down a path that's leading us away from who God is and his goodness. And that was what was shared last week with Tristan and Lucretia. Tristan said, I could not believe where my life had gotten to because I had ignored God in my life. I had, you know, taken his word and reading his word out of my life completely. And there I was in that jail cell thinking to myself, how did I get here? Now, not all of us have that experience, praise God. But are there things in your life that are causing you to stop to say, hey, wait a minute, how did I get here? And if I'm here, what is the lie that I'm actually buying that is getting me here? And I need to come back to God's word and I need to hide it in my heart and I need to take captive every thought in obedience to Jesus Christ. How can a young, people, or a young person keep their way pure? By living according to God's word. I know I've shared this um, idea or this story with you once before, but when I was in my early 20s, I think, I was a camp counselor at Camp Kuanos. I'd been there for a few years, so 19, 20, 21, somewhere right in there. Uh, they'd call you every year, come back, you want to be a camp counselor? Sure, I'd go counsel. And this one year, I was trying to help my kids understand hiding God's word in their heart. And so I took them to Psalm 119. I said, look at it. it says, you know, if you're a young person, you want to keep your way pure, if you want to do what's right, if you have that dream of saying, yeah, one day I'd like to be married and I'd like to have a family and all these good things, I said, but there's a, con there's a contrasting message that's going to take you down a different path. So there's a dream. That's what you want. How do you get there? And so I, I started to teach them these verses. And, you know, memorizing scripture is not easy. And so I, I took them out of the cabin and we went down on the dock at Camp Kuanos. We're on the end of the dock. And I said, okay, guys, we're going to wrap this thing. Now, I'm not a rapper, I'm a white guy, I got no rhythm, but I was like doing the beatbox, I was like boom, and uh, just kind of giving it, you know, and the guy, they don't know any different, they're 12 for crying out loud, right? They think I'm cool. And uh, we start rapping this, how can a young man keep his way pure by living according to his word? I seek you, I seek you, you know, and once they got it, then all of a sudden they're like, they're getting louder, right? Because now they know it. And then they're rapping and they're yelling. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm chanting away and I'm thinking I'm doing such a good job. The next morning at the staff meeting, the director of the camp says, who was down at the dock last night? <laughs> I sheepishly had to admit it was me. But once he found out what we were doing, he quickly forgave me because he thought that was pretty good. 
Hide God's word in your heart. Memorize it, because when it's in your heart, you're going to be able to know the lie when it comes. It's exposed by the truth of God's word. Finally, I want to say the word of God is a lamp for our feet. It's a light on our path, the path of life. He gives us light. It's a promise, you know. It's not just choosing to read God's word, but it's then knowing who God is, and then it's obeying his word, and it sheds light on our life just like we've been talking about. You know, this is what Jesus did. You remember when he was tempted, right? The devil comes in and says, I'll give you all this. If only you do this, right? That sort of thing. What did Jesus do? Three times he quoted scripture. Three times he used scripture to combat the lie. And I think that's a principle for us to use as well, that we too can use scripture to combat the lie. Because the word of God is living and active and is sharper than a double-edged sword. So if we know that the Bible is no ordinary book, and we know that it's the word of God, and if we know that it's true, and that its truth can guide us in life, and if we know that that truth can also transform our lives, then why do we struggle to spend time reading God's word and hiding it in our hearts? Why is it a struggle? Why is this not easier? Why is it not as easy to read my Bible as to turn it on and watch the NFL playoffs this afternoon? Guilty. I know there's at least three of you in this auditorium. Two plus me. Three. Why is it so hard? Why do we struggle? Because I think that we do. I think that most people struggle. There's some that don't. But I, I think that most of us do. So let's play a game here this morning. We're going to play this game. Have you heard of Family Feud? Ah, oh, you love it, huh? Survey says, now if you're not familiar with Family Feud, uh, they go out on the streets and they pull 100 people and they have a question they ask them. Whatever the question is, the people answer and then they figure out how many people answered with various answers. The object of the game is that the guests on the show then have to try to figure out what were the answers that people answered to the question. I don't know what the question was here. You know, what do you do with your hockey stick? You, I don't know, 40 people say, you chop it up, you burn it, you hide it. I don't know. I don't know the question. That's just an example. So what we're going to ask ourselves a question is, why do people struggle to read their Bible? And so I went on, on the streets of Sardis Fellowship, and I, um, I asked our staff, all seven of them. That doesn't quite total 100, but we did our best guess to see how 100 people would, would answer to this question, why do we struggle to read our Bible? Now, I'd already come up with my list. I did it first, and I'm happy to say that our staff had almost identical, the list, same list as what I had. So I think we're in, we're, we know what we're doing here. We know why we don't read our Bible. Well, there's a spiritual quality. Why don't we read the Bible? Survey says, number one answer, too busy. <laughs> it was the first thing that came to my mind. It's the first thing that came to their mind. And I said, well, how many people? I would, I would say more than 50% of Christians probably say, I'm too busy. Um, I, I don't have time with everything else I have going on in my life. By the time I get around to it, I'm tired. I remember a number of years ago, I found this Bible. It was titled, The One-Minute Bible for Men. <laughs> oh, that's great. How to get God in a minute, I thought. I wasn't quite sure if it was referencing the fact that men were busy, or if it was kind of more, this is the average amount of attention span that a man has when reading. But my thought was, really? <laughs> Have we gotten to that point where all I can kind of muster up is one minute for God? when I have 1,440 minutes every day and I can give God one. Um, I don't want to be too sarcastic there because my other thought was, well, one minute's better than none. And maybe you can have multiple one minutes throughout the day. So there's lots of positive ways you can look at this. I want to say this, all joking aside. If we can make one minute for God, can't we make a little bit more? Like, isn't it really just saying I prioritize this in my life and now finding a time to meet with God? 
let's pause here for, for a moment. I want to ask the question, are we busy? I would say the answer is yes. I would say most of us truly are busy. A lot of it we bring on ourselves, but we are busy. Um, are we busy for everything? No. Somehow I find time for the things I really want to do, my hobbies, my interests. We go to the gym, we work out, we watch sports, we play games, we go for hikes, we fish, we crochet, we puzzle, and we watch Netflix. Sometimes we even binge on Netflix. Not me. I've heard about it. <clears throat> so why can't we find time for reading God's Word? Are we making excuses? Don't nod. It's time to stay silent. Just ponder the depth of that question. Are we being lazy? I won't deny that it takes intentionality and discipline to read your Bible every day. It does. To set aside a time that you have to read, reflect, and pray isn't just going to happen. But that is how we grow. That is how we hear God's voice speaking to us about what he wants us to know and do. I remember a time in my life when I didn't want to get up early to read my Bible because I was getting up early to go to work. It was like 5.30 in the morning. And I worked in North Vancouver, and I had to drive over to my friend's place for about 6, 6.15, get in his vehicle, then drive all the way that commute into North Vancouver, an hour and a half basically each way. I'm sorry if I'm triggering for some of you the reality of your everyday life Monday to Friday. But it was early. And then I realized something. Yeah, well, just because I'd gotten out of the routine of reading my Bible regularly, and I thought, well, if I don't read my Bible before I go to work, can I read my Bible at work? Well, not while I'm working, but I do get a morning coffee break, a lunch break, and an afternoon coffee break. Could I read my Bible in those time frames? And the answer was yes. And I began to do that again. I don't know your schedule. But are we making excuses and are we becoming lazy with something we know is a priority or should be in our life? What might you need to do in order to bring that back into your schedule and be a priority in your life again? With a little bit of work, you can prepare yourself um, for... Understanding the Word of God. Um, you know what, folks? I think I missed. Uh, that's my next question, actually. And you see what happens when you get your notes out of order? I just gave you the answer to what is our next survey says question here. Oh, we're too busy. And the next one was, I don't understand the Bible. I don't understand the Bible. I think a lot of people do give an honest attempt to read God's Word, and then they go, but I just don't get it. And I can understand that. Let's, let's face it. It is complex, okay? There are elements of the Word of God that are actually tricky to know how do all these pieces go together. Uh, but with a little bit of work, I believe we can prepare ourselves. And what I wanted to say is there's a couple resources that we have that can help you. We offer for free. We pay, the church pays a subscription for this Right Now Media. Uh, you can go to our website. You can click on Ministries. It says Right Now Media. And you set up your own account. You have access to Christian resources like crazy. They've got a number on there. On, on a survey of the Bible and, and helping you to basically understand um, the structure of the Bible. There's lots of different options there. Another great one, which is for free, is the Bible Project. You can go to YouTube and type in the Bible Project, type in the word the Bible for the Bible Project, and they're going to give you a few overviews done in very creative fashions. Many people have used this as Tim Mackey's work, and it's excellent. So we make these excuses, I'm too busy, I don't understand the Word of God, but we do. Like, no time in history have the resources at our fingertips to know this message, to understand it better. And so I invite you to do that. I started to play pickleball recently. I've only played about five times, and um, I found out that I didn't necessarily quite understand all the rules right. I was playing with Andrew Reeves, and he kept saying to me, hey, Rod, you got to stay out of the kitchen. Now, if you haven't played pickleball, that's the part right up at the front of the net. They call it the kitchen. you got to stay out of the kitchen. You can't hit the ball and land in the kitchen. I said, hey, 
I didn't quite understand that. You know, I played volleyball and a person could spike from the three-point line, you know, right? And as long as you hit the ball, you could land over the line. Oh, that's not the way it is with pickleball. If you hit that ball, you got to stay on the other side. It's like a concrete wall. You can't land in the kitchen. Well, now, I could say to myself, well, I don't understand the rules, and this is a dumb game. Or I could go, oh, now I get it. And I'm going to adjust my life to the rule so that I can better enjoy this game. And I, I know it's not a perfect analogy, but, you know, we can make excuses as to why I'm closing my Bible. I just don't get it. Slam. I learned nothing today. Slam. Come on. We can do better than that. With a little bit of work and a little bit of learning, which we put into so many other things in life, we can understand God's word better. So there's two free resources for you. I'm this year doing reading my Bible in a year. I mentioned this back on December 31st. It's just one option of many, but it's a, a little Bible reading plan. And every day you can kind of read certain amounts of chapters. By the end of the year, you will have read through the whole Bible. Um, it takes me about 20 minutes each day to do my Bible reading. So, you know, that's, that's an investment of time. Um, but if you've never read the entire Bible, you can do so in a year. Uh, many people do it in a less time frame than that. All depending on how fast you read. I'm not the fastest reader. The last one survey question asked, why do people struggle to read their Bible? The answer is it's boring. Um, not true. My kid said to me once, Dad, if they made it into a movie, you wouldn't let us watch it. He's <laughs> like, that's right. <laughs> But why do we say it's boring? I, I think it might be tied to the first one. I just don't understand. That, that's possible. Could be, too, that um, we, you know, there's many people have many different reasons why they might say this, but it's boring compared to watching my favorite movies, or it's boring compared to playing a video game, or I just don't read and I find any reading boring. Okay, those are all kind of legitimate things that could make a person say it's boring. But what I want to say is God is offering us something about real life that gives real answers compared to all the things we fill our hearts and minds with that don't give anything. So when are we going to give up on the stuff that's the fluff so that we can get the stuff that's going to be the true riches, the refined gold that God is offering? Because you know what? When our lives crumble around us, it's not all that light and fluffy stuff that we spend so much time on that's going to put your life back in order again. It's going to be the refined gold of God's word and his riches that allow us to go in a direction that is good and right and blessing follows. So let's, maybe we should be asking ourselves, when are we going to get bored of all that which never truly satisfies and drink from the living water of God's word? Maybe that's the question we should be asking ourselves. Because when we do, we start to see that his word is living and active and he has something to teach us and he has something that he wants us to do and he prepares us for those good works that he wants to do through us. So there's more that could be on the survey. I'll leave it there for today. The point is that I think most of us struggle to read our Bibles. And today, in looking at me and my Bible, is to just try to motivate you to say, what can you do? To maybe raise your game a little higher and say, I'm going to make that a priority in my life again. We all need to be encouraged. And I hope that this morning wasn't a discouragement. I hope it's an encouragement for you to consider that. God's word promises to be a light on our path of life. So let's use it. Because there's plenty of darkness along the way in life that can cause us to stumble and fall. So why not shed a little light on the path of life? Why do we read God's word? We read it to know God. We read it to hear God's voice. We read it to enjoy God. Let's pick up our Bibles and begin to read again. I'm going to encourage or invite our worship team to come up at this time for a closing song, and I want to lead us in prayer.
Father, as we look at your word, we are thankful that you haven't left us without a written record of, of your truth. And yeah, we look around us and we see the glory of uh, your creation, and especially in recent days as we look to the mountains and the snow, and we're reminded of a power that goes beyond ourselves, and we acknowledge you to be the God of that power. But thank you so much for your message that tells us about your saving grace, that tells us how we can encounter you, your son Jesus, and have our lives transformed by it. And so give us the initiative to pick up our Bibles, to spend time with you, to hear your voice and obey you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please check out sardisfellowship.com. Have a great day and God bless.